0: Do you want God to do something new and fresh in your life? You know, I'm not content just to rest on what God did in my life last year or 10 years ago. I want God to do something new and powerful in my life today, and he's here to do that. Do you believe that? He wants to spark something new so you have new dreams, new visions, new paths, some new changes this year that will make all the difference. That's our God, so let's pray together. God, I thank you so much that you have a personal purpose for every one that you created. You're the creative writer, and Lord Jesus, you have written out the script of our lives, and it's filled with purpose. Every word is filled with meaning. But Lord, I know there's so many here today, or so many, Lord, worshiping with us in our online family, all around the world, so many in our Atascocita campus, the Woodlands campus, through our broadcast ministry, Lord, that, that feel like their story is meaningless right now. They're going through a chapter of confusion, and I just pray, Lord, that you would, over the next few moments, clarify, and that you would just speak clearly to their hearts to let them know that you have not forgotten them. You're just not finished with the story yet. And I thank you, Lord, for the hope. I thank you, Lord, for the miracles that you're gonna bring in the next few moments, as only you can. And we ask you to do all that you want in our lives, nothing more, nothing less, for it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. Hey, God is a master storyteller. The creator of the universe, the creative writer who created you loves stories. Ellie Wazell said that God created human beings because he loves stories, and that is so true. God loves the story of you. You are his creation. I'm not talking about the fiction story of you that you would like for God to believe and others to believe. I'm talking about the real story, the nonfiction story of your life that's raw and real, It's not some fairy tale where everything always works out perfectly. Your story is filled with wonderful chapters and very painful chapters. It's filled with love and loss. It's filled with great successes and epic failures. It's a nonfiction story, but it doesn't have to be a non-fulfilling story. If you give the creative writer the pen of your life, he will redeem your pain and rewrite your story. I want you to look at 2nd Samuel chapter 22 verse 25. We just have one verse today as our key verse and it's a powerful one. So would you stand in honor of God's word and would you just read it out loud with me? God rewrote the text of my life when I opened the book of my heart to his eyes. Did you get that? God the creative writer can rewrite the text of our lives. If we'll just open the book of our heart to him, give him the pen and let him write. You can be seated. When you give the pen to God, he rewrites the story of your life into a story of redemption and purpose and meaning. He also puts his spark of creative writing in your heart that helps you see the beauty in all the broken pages of your past. You see that every chapter has been changed by his grace, and every paragraph now has a purpose. And that's what he did for Saul. You remember Saul, he was writing his own autobiography. Saul was the main character in his story, and it looked like a perfect story. But like a lot of autobiographies, it was filled with lies. It was designed to make the author look good. The problem was, it was just all fiction. Now, the people around Saul were believing the lies. Even Saul had bought into that false narrative that his story was a perfect story until one day he was hit with writer's block. His, all of his story came to an abrupt stop on the road to Damascus. Look at it with me in Acts chapter nine. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, "'Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me?' "'Who are you, Lord?' Saul asked. "'And the voice replied, "'I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. "'Now get up and go into the city, "'and you will be told what you must do.' "'The men with Saul stood speechless, "'for they heard the sound of someone's voice, "'but saw no one. "'Saul picked himself up off the ground, "'but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. "'So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus.' He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. See, Saul was on this mission to stop this small group of people called Christians from writing another chapter of what he believed was a subversive story that just had to be stopped. He didn't want Christianity to spread, but Christ blocked him from writing another word in the story. And Saul was blinded on that day on the road to Damascus, but the reality was he had been blinded his whole life. He'd been blinded to the truth his whole life. You know, he got writer's block that day, but really, he had writer's block his whole life because every word that he wrote in his own story, as he was the main character and the author, every word was meaningless, every word was empty. He had writer's block because he was comparing himself with others. And as long as I'm comparing myself with others, my story will never make sense. You see, after his conversion, his name was changed to Paul. And instead of trying to write his own story, he wrote most of the New Testament, being divinely inspired by the great creative writer. The New Testament was written mostly by Paul. And later in Philippians three, Paul wrote this. And sincere, Yes, so much so that I greatly persecuted the church. And I tried to obey every Jewish rule and regulation right down to the very last point. But all those things that I once thought very worthwhile, now I've thrown them all away so that I can put my trust and hope in Christ alone. Paul is saying, when it came to religion, I did it best. There's no one that could compare with me. I tried to follow every rule, every regulation and I was better than everyone else. When it came to religion, I had so much fervor and passion. I mean, I just followed every single rule. But Paul says, I was comparing myself and feeling good that I was better than everyone else, but I wasn't comparing myself to the only one that counted, the perfect God of the universe. I compared myself to everyone else, and I felt pretty good about myself, but I had everything backwards so much so that I was persecuting the very people that had it right. And whenever you compare yourself to others, it's very destructive because, in essence, you make yourself the main character of the story. Whenever I compare myself to someone else, it is so destructive because I become the focus. When you compare yourself to someone else, you either get proud, like Saul did, you get proud because You think that you're better or your story is better or you're smarter or you're more beautiful or you're more talented or you're more successful than someone else you get proud. Or you get depressed because you compare yourself to someone and you start thinking that they're better and smarter and more beautiful and more successful than you are and either way, You're the focus. You make yourself the main character of your story, and as long as you make yourself the main character of your story, your story will never make sense because God says we shouldn't compare ourselves because there's no one else in the world like you. God created you uniquely. When he made you, he broke the mold. Do you know there's no one else in the whole world with your fingerprints? There's no one else in the whole world out of the billions that have ever walked this earth that have your same voice print, your same footprint? No one else. When God made you, he broke the mold, and so why do you compare yourself to someone else when there's no one else in the world like you? God made you the way he made you for a reason, for a purpose. But Paul was comparing himself to everyone else. And in 2 Corinthians 10, 12, he went on to say, after he learned his lesson, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. He says it's not wise to compare yourself to others because what you're really doing is making yourself the main character of the story. You're the main focus instead of God. And Paul said, I'm so glad that I realized I'm not the main character of my story because when you're the main character of your story, And Saul was the author and the main character of his story. He was trying to do the job that only the great creative writer who created the universe and created you can do. And it puts too much pressure on a human being to try to play the part of the great creative writer. You see, you're not the main character of your story. And he said, I'm so glad that I realized that and I let Christ be the main character of my story and it changed everything. I placed my trust in him instead of religion. Instead of writing a story of religion that was all about me and what I could do, now the story is all about Jesus and what he did in me. After the road to Damascus, Paul gives the pen to God and he lets God rewrite the story of his life. And then God creates this spark of creativity in Paul and divinely inspires him. And Paul writes most of the New Testament. And until you stop trying to be the author and main character of your story, your story will always be misguided. It will be meaningless. It won't make sense to you. All the pain and the problems and the hurt in your life just won't make any sense at all. When you receive Christ into your life, if you're a Christ follower, when you come to Christ, you really give the pen of your life to God. And you say, God, I'm tired of writing my story. I want you to be the author and finisher of my faith. I want you to finish writing the story of my life. And God erases all your sins, and he begins to rewrite your story that gives meaning to every chapter. But I have to say, as a Christ follower, there are many times when I try to take the pen back from God And sometimes, I try to write God in the script as a minor character. We do this all the time. Some Christians, that's kind of the way they live their life. It's like, God, I want you to be a real part of my life. Um, I want you to be in my life. I want you to be in my story. You're in my story, God, and I've given you a really good part. I mean, it's a good part. I've written you in, it's a good part. You're really part of the story. You're in there somewhere with my career. My career takes up more pages, but it doesn't mean as much to me, God. You know, God, you're in there with my hobbies. Now, I have to admit, there's several chapters about the things that I like to do. Um, But God, you're in there. You're a minor character. Now, my finances, you know, there's some, there's some chapters about that too, Lord, some really important chapters on that, but, but God, you're in there too. And we think God should be happy with that, that we've written God in as a minor character in our story, but we're still the main character of the story, and we're still the author of the story. Uh, a lot of times, we take the pen back from God, and we try to write God in as a minor character, and say, God, hey, this is gonna be amazing because I've written this great dream for my life, this great plan for my life, And I'm telling you, God, you're going to be blessed from this. I mean, you know, really, I'm doing this for you. This is all for you, God. But we're still the main character. We're still trying to write our story the way we want it to turn out. And God will do just about anything to get our attention. Saul was on the road to Damascus, and Jesus blinded him gave him writer's block, and stopped him from writing another destructive word. And he changed the whole story. And God loves you so much that he'll do just about anything to stop you from writing your own story because he knows how that ends. He knows how destructive that's going to be. When you're trying to be the author and the finisher of your faith, when you're trying to be the main character of the story, that's not what you were made to be. God is the main character of the story, and God says, I don't settle for a minor role in your life. It's either first place or no place. I demand first place in your life, and I know what's best for you. And Paul said, I'm so glad that I finally realized that. Blinded. I realized how blinded I had been, and God changed the whole course of my story. And I love that after Jesus stops, Saul on the road to Damascus, and Saul then is blinded, and Jesus says, I want you to go into the city of Damascus, and so he has to have his men lead him into the city because he's blind, and then Jesus tells him, I want you to go to the house of this believer in Damascus by the name of Ananias, and then he'll know what to do. And so he goes to the house of Ananias, and Ananias lays his hands on Saul's eyes, and it says there were like scales that fell from his eyes and he could see, really he could see for the first time in his life, that the whole direction, the whole narrative of his story was going the wrong direction. And and then he woke up to the fact that he'd been the main character of his story, he'd been trying to write his story. And so he gives the pen to Jesus for the first time and he lets Christ take over the story and write the rest of the story and he trusts Christ, he's baptized, and Christ erased all of Paul's sins, and he rewrote the story of his life. Now, Jesus didn't edit out all the failures from Paul's past. He forgave him of all his sins, but he didn't edit out all the failures and the pain from his past. No, he just wrote some new chapters that changed the meaning of every word from Paul's past. He didn't edit it out, and this is really important because sometimes we try to edit out the failures from our past. We try to edit out the seriousness of our sins. We try to edit out the pain from our past or the trauma from our past, and that never works. When you try to edit out the pain from your past like it never happened, it will always come back to write new chapters in the present. But when you give the pen to God, He doesn't edit out the pain from your past, he just writes some new chapters that change the whole meaning of the pain and the failures. He writes new chapters that change the whole story. Now Paul didn't deny the reality of his past failures or minimize them because he knew that would minimize God's greatness. That would minimize God's grace in his life. In 1 Timothy 1.15, He says, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Paul said, I'm not gonna edit out my past failures. I'm not gonna minimize my past sins. Uh, No, I was a murderer. I killed Christians, I persecuted the church, I was proud and arrogant and was the main character in every chapter and I'm not gonna edit out my past failures, I'm not gonna minimize my past sins, I'm just gonna let God write something new that changes the whole meaning of my past failures and sins and brings fame to him. See, a lot of times we want to edit the pain out of our story. Sometimes I I want to downplay my failures and sins. But when I do that, it just minimizes the greatness of God in my life and the grace of God in my life and the power of God in my life. Hey, every great story is filled with failures and pain, heartache and loss in the middle of it. That's what makes a great story great. Every great story is filled with conflict and pain and doubt. Every great story is filled with problems, and you can't edit out the pain or the trauma from your past, but you can give the pen to God and let him write a story of purpose from the pain. You can't edit out the failures from your past, but you can give the pen to God and let him write a story of faith from your failures. You can't edit out the struggles from your past. You can't edit out the struggles that you face today, but you can give God the pen and let him write a story of his strength from your struggles. Don't try to edit out the bad from your story. You just give the pen to God and he'll write something new that brings good even out of the bad. You see, he took the story of crucifixion And he wrote a new chapter and turned it into the story of resurrection and salvation and heaven one day for you and me. I mean, you just let God be the author and finisher of your faith, he'll take care of it. He'll erase all the sins. He'll erase the guilt of your sins. He will erase all of that and you'll be clean with a new heart when you come to Christ. But don't edit out all the pain and the failures from your past, just give the pen to God. He'll write something that changes it all and then he will spark something in your heart and you will see how the great creative writer took everything, the good, bad, and the ugly, and he wrote something that made it all beautiful. He takes the broken pages and he writes something new and it makes the whole story beautiful. You have a beautiful story. You have a powerful story. You have a divine story when you give the pen to God. Regardless of your past, God writes something purposeful, and the whole story of your life becomes purposeful. God is doing that in some of your lives right now. You just don't see it. You're just thinking, God, what are you up to? I don't get it. And you feel like that, God doesn't know what he's doing. And you feel like that you shouldn't be going through this pain. You shouldn't be going through this problem. You shouldn't be experiencing this struggle. And it doesn't make any sense to you. It's just God's not finished yet. Let him keep writing. Let him keep writing because he's writing into something powerful and beautiful. And every great story has pain and failures and conflict and loss. He's writing something beautiful out of the brokenness. Don't dare take the pen back from God now. He's just coming up on the great chapters that change the whole story. But I have to admit, a lot of times I want to edit out the bad. It's like, God, that's not something that you wanted. God, that's not something that you need. And God says, give it all to me. The brokenness, the bad, the pain, the hurt, the failures, the sins, you give it all to me. I need all of it so that I can write something that's powerful, all of it. I will waste no hurt, I will waste no pain. I will not waste a teardrop, God says, if you'll give it all to me. But how do you practically make Christ the main character of your story? How do you make sure he's the author and finisher of your faith? Well, Ananias here in this story of Saul and his conversion to Paul really gives us a great example of a believer who was really seeking to let Christ write the story and let Christ be the main character of the story because in Acts 9.10 it says, there was a disciple in Damascus by the name of Ananias. The master spoke to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, master, he answered. I think that's a really powerful verse and there's two words in there that are so profound to me. The first thing Ananias says is yes, master. Yes, master. The first word was yes. Second, master, that you are the master storyteller. You are the creative writer. And you are the author and finisher of my faith. And so, yes. And so before he knew what God was gonna ask him to do, he said yes to it. Now, there are many times when I ask God, what do you want me to do, what's your will for my life? What do you want me to do in this decision, God? Well, what is it, would you just speak to me in my heart and tell me what you want me to do, kind of lay it out for me, so I can decide if I wanna do it or not? You see, sometimes people say to me, Pastor Kerry, I don't know God's will for my life. How do you know God's will? How do I know God's will in this situation? How do I know what God wants me to do in this decision? And, I just don't know, and and sometimes God will put you in that confusing place for a little while, so you'll learn to really seek him, but sometimes I put myself in that place because really what I'm asking is, God, if you'll show me what your will is, then I'll look at it and I'll decide if I wanna do it because I'm not sure that I trust that you know what's best. God, if you'll just kinda lay out the plan, then I can look it over, and God says, if you'll say yes first, I'll show you the plan. If you'll say yes first, then I'll lay it out for you. Why don't you say yes with me right now, really loud? Say yes! That's pretty good. It was like the wave. It started over here and it just kept going. Some of you guys over here still aren't sure, still waking up. Let's do it again. Yes! 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 Lord, you've heard our answer, now show us what you want us to do. That should be what we do every week. Let's give God our answer and then ask him, show us now what you want us to do because we're going to do it because we know that you know what's best for us and we trust you. If I live my life that way, God will reveal his plan over and over. That's the way God works. He reveals his plan and then you take a step and he opens a door. You know, but first, you have to take the step of saying, God, reveal to me your plan because I'm gonna do it. And that's what Ananias did. He said, yes, okay, yes, master. So what do you want me to do? And I'll do it. But here's the thing that I love because it's just so real. In Acts 9, 13, God tells him, hey, uh, uh, Saul's gonna come to your house. He's on the way right now and I need you to really lead him to me and then disciple him because I've chosen him. And Ananias says this, Ananias protested, Master, you can't be serious. Everybody's talking about this man and the terrible things he's been doing. His reign of terror against your people in Jerusalem, and now he's shown up here with papers from the chief priests that give him license to do the same to us. But the master said, don't argue, go. I have picked him as my personal representative to Gentiles and kings and Jews. You see, Ananias said, yes, Lord, what do you want me to do? And God said, I want you to welcome Saul into your house because he's on the way right now. And it's like, Saul, we've been talking about him with the other believers for the last several days. He's been killing Christians in Jerusalem. He's been arresting Christians and persecuting them and and the government is behind him and and now he's come here to Damascus to do the same thing. Jesus, that's a death sentence for me. He's coming to my house, what? And then what does God say to him? Don't argue, that's not your job. Remember, I'm the author and finisher of your faith. I have the pen, you're not the main character, but I'm writing a new role for you, Ananias. Aren't you excited? He's like, I don't get this, but he obeys. I love that, because he was so honest. I mean, let's be honest, that's the way we feel sometimes when God says, I want you to take this step of faith, but God, what's gonna happen? I don't know what's gonna happen. It's not your job, you just obey me, and trust me, because I know what's best for you. Trust me, take that step of faith, just trust me, and you'll see. If you don't, you'll miss out on the blessing. And that's what Ananias does. Why should we let God have the pen? How can we let God have the pen of our lives? How can we let God be the author? How can we let God be the main character? Well, it all comes down to one thing, love. Because he loves us so much. See, you're not the main character of the story. God is. But the main character is crazy in love with you. He loves you so much and Paul came to realize this. And Ananias had already realized that, that's why he was able to obey even when it didn't make sense. If you can't obey God when it doesn't make sense, if you have to wait until everything makes sense before you obey God, you're gonna miss out on all the blessings God has for you. If Chris and I would've waited to start Woodlands Church when everything made sense, if we would've waited to figure out all the problems, and all the issues we would face and try to figure all that out before we ever start, we would have never started this church. But when God said, I want you to take this step, we took that step and then God would open a door. And God said, take this step, we would take a step and God would open a door. And that's the way God works. That's just life. If you try to solve all the problems before you ever get started, you will never get started in anything. It's so the way NASA did the moon missions. Um, When JFK said, by the end of the decade, we're gonna land a man on the moon, none of the technologies were invented yet for how to do that. But he made the statement, they took the step. They couldn't figure out all the problems they'd have to solve before that until they took that step. And that's the way God wants it to be in our lives because he wants us to learn that we can trust him because he loves us so much. And that's why Paul was able to write in Romans 5.8 that God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He's saying when I was going the wrong direction, as sinful as you could get, God stopped me and gave me writer's block. God did whatever it took. He blinded me so that I could see that I've been blinded my whole life. God did whatever it took because he loved me. And some of you, You've hit a wall today, and you feel like that God is punishing you, that God is out to get you, and it's just the opposite. He's let you hit a wall because he loves you, and he knows what's behind on the other side of that wall, and he knows what's best for you, and he's protecting you. Some of you feel rejection today, and you feel like it's coming from God because Someone rejected you, you didn't get that promotion. You didn't get that job. That boyfriend broke up with you. That girlfriend broke up with you. That rejection, and it hurts, and God hurts with you, but I want you to know, if you're a Christ follower and you're following him, rejection is protection. Rejection is God's protection to keep you from going the wrong direction. God has a purpose and God has a plan, and it all comes down to love. It's a love story. Your story is a love story. If you don't realize that, you won't take those steps of faith. Your story is a love story. You're not the main character of the story, but the main char- character is crazy in love with you. And Paul realized this. And that's why he wrote 1 Corinthians 13, the great love chapter that's read at so many weddings, the love chapter, because he recognized and began to experience the love of God. And that's why he could trust God no matter what was going on in his life, because he realized how much God loved him. And in 1 Corinthians 13, eight, Paul writes, love never fails. Your story is a love story and when you let Christ write your story, your story won't fail. In fact, he will take all your failures and turn them into successes. He will take all your failures and turn them into victories. Love never fails, that's why this church will never fail. It's built on love, love in Jesus. It's built on love in Jesus Christ. Kicking religion out the door and focusing on Jesus Christ who is the author and the main character of your story and of all of life and of this church. And it's all about love, love never fails. If we do things out of love, if we do what we do, whatever it is, the most mundane things, and we do it out of love, loving Jesus, and out of love for others, it will not fail. Well, Paul's story after he came to Christ wasn't a perfect story. You think after he comes to Christ, everything works perfectly. No, there are all these twists and turns, and, and he was imprisoned many times. He was beaten. He was left for dead. He was tortured. He was persecuted. All these things, all these great things happened, and all these terrible things happened, and I found in life that life is not like a roller coaster where sometimes, you know, wow, you're on this huge high, and other times you're way down in the valley on a low and people ask you, how are you doing? And you say, oh, doing great, but yet you're really hurting on the inside. You're not really lying because there are parts of your life that are doing great and there are parts of your life that are awful. And that's what I found. It's more like two tracks rather than a roller coaster. There's one track where there's all these great things happening and there's another track where there's all these painful things happening at the same time. That's the way life is and that was what was That's what happened with Paul after he came to Christ. There were so many times when he was put in prison and I'm sure there were some times when he felt like he'd been forgotten by God and he wondered if his story would have any meaning, is it would end up in a prison cell. Have you ever felt that way, that God's forgotten you? Have you ever felt like that your story is meaningless and it will never be remembered, it will never amount to much, that no one really cares about your story, that your story has no power, that your story is just a boring story? Do you ever feel like you've been forgotten by God, that God doesn't care about your story? I want you to know that God has not forgotten you. He's just not finished with your story yet. Maybe you're in what I call a forgotten chapter, where you feel forgotten in those forgotten chapters, but those really aren't forgotten chapters. It's just that the story's not finished yet. I mean, what if a best-selling thriller that you're reading all of a sudden you get to page 120 and then you turn to page 121 and it's blank and you look the rest of the book is blank. And some for some reason it didn't get printed. You see, you can't see the rest of the story, but God's writing it and he's not finished with your story yet. He's going to write the story and by the end of it it's going to be amazing. If you only got half of that bestseller, it would be a dud, but God says, I haven't forgotten you, I'm just not finished with your story yet, so don't give up. Don't try to take the pin back. Don't try to be the main character again. I'm just not finished with your story yet because I cannot forget you. In Isaiah 49, there was a time when the people of Israel thought they were forgotten. They thought it was the final chapter the forgotten chapter. But no, God just hadn't finished yet with the story. And in Isaiah 49, 14, they say, the Lord has deserted us, the Lord has forgotten us, and God answers, never. Can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. See, I have written your name on the palms of my hands no, I could never forget you. I've written your names on the palm of my hands. I, I've written your name out here on my palm, so I write your story, and then I look and see your name, and I think about all these wonderful things about you and how much I love you and care about you, and, and I care about every word of your story. I'm just still writing. You see, it's almost like the creative writer, the God who created the universe is so crazy about us, it's like a little boy or a little girl in grade school who writes the name of their crush on their hand, looks at it and thinks about them. That's what he's doing with you. He thinks about you all the time. You're not the main character, but the main character is crazy in love with you. It's just hard for us to understand that because of all of our sins and failures and struggles and, and pain. Why would he love us that much? because he loves you that much. And that changes everything. That's why you have to find your identity in the one who loves you completely. He knows everything about you, and yet he loves you perfectly. You try to find your security, your identity in anyone else's thoughts, care, or love for you, you will never satisfy. It's only in the great creative writer who created you that you'll find total fulfillment. He says, If a mother could forget about her little baby, you know, there's no way. Then, you know, I'm like that, I could never forget about you, but even if a mom could do that, I'm not gonna forget you. I've engraved your names on my hands. God says, I'll never forget you. If you let God rewrite the story, it will be an eternal story that will never be forgotten. You're in a forgotten chapter, but it's not a finished chapter. It's not the last chapter. It's not the last page, and God always has the last word. God has the last word. Maybe somebody has given you a word on your life and told you that you're never going to amount to much. No, it doesn't matter. That person wasn't God. God has the last word. Maybe a doctor has told you that things don't look good, and it's all over until you hear it from God. No, don't believe it. You just listen to him. God always gets the final word. He's the author and he's the finisher of your faith. And your story will not be forgotten. It will be an eternal story. There'll be painful chapters, silent chapters. You see, Paul got a vision from God that he was going to Rome. I'm sure at first Paul probably thought that he was gonna go to Rome and preach in the Colosseum. If you've ever been to the Colosseum in Rome and seen the ruins, it's so magnificent. And to think, you know, there'd be thousands upon thousands of people in there. And, and Paul was this great preacher, and he probably thought, God's calling me to Rome to preach the gospel to all of Rome. It's gonna be amazing. But no, the Colosseum was a place that Paul never preached. It was a place where Christians were killed, but, but Paul never preached there. He was put in prison for two years in Rome. But what did he do? God sparked his inspiration in Paul, and he wrote most of the New Testament from prison. And that's what we're talking about him today. And that's where we're reading the scriptures that he wrote, divinely inspired by God, today. That's why those words are changing our lives today because they are eternal. You, you see, you've got to let God decide what comes next because he knows what's best. And when you give the pen to God, your story will never be forgotten. I mean, you can write out your own success story, and a lot of people do. You can write out your success story, and maybe it will end up you being a billionaire. Maybe you'll be the most successful business person in the world, and maybe you will achieve everything you ever dreamed of achieving, but when the book of your life is closed, your story dies. Your story dies with you because it won't be eternal. It's only when we give the pen to God that our story becomes eternal. Our story lasts forever. We give it all to God and he takes care of the rest. That's why at the very end of Paul's life, he could say this in 2 Timothy chapter four, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me but also to all have longed for his appearing. Paul said, hey, it's coming to the end. I'm in the last chapter now and coming to the last page, and he's telling young Timothy, who he's mentored for years, hey, the book of my life is getting ready to be closed. The last page is being written, but really? Once it's closed, a whole new book opens that will never be closed. It's really not the last page because the first page the first page for the rest of eternity is about to be written. And it's a page that includes a crown of righteousness. It, it includes God's blessing of eternal life and the perfect place of heaven. And he said, I can already see it. You see, that's what made Paul different for most of us. On this side of heaven, I don't see things real clearly. But Paul could already see it in that prison cell. Said, hey, the the last page, the last word is about to be written, but don't believe it because the book of my life is just starting, because it's gonna last forever because of Jesus Christ. Corey Tinboom, who her whole family was captured by the Nazis and she was thrown into a concentration camp during World War II because her devoutly Christian family had protected Jews from being taken by the Nazis, and they developed a hiding place in their home, and they kept as many as they could, and and soon the authorities found out about what they were doing, and they took the whole family to a concentration camp, though they never found the hiding place, and the Jews that they were hiding were protected, but in that concentration camp, everyone in her immediate family died, including her best friend and sister, Betsy, who kept pointing her to the Lord and looking to the Lord, even in this dark place, when Corey Ten Boom said, none of this makes sense, I don't see what God's doing. How could he allow such evil? But after she got out, she began to realize that God had called her to tell the story of his redemption, and his grace, and his forgiveness, even in the darkest places. And that's what Betsy had felt was the vision, and kept telling her, and, Corey Tinboom, even when she was in her 70s, she was going around the world preaching and sharing this good news of Jesus Christ and how he was the light in the darkest places. And, and one thing she loved to do, she had this embroidery that she had in her home and she would bring it with her whenever she would speak somewhere. And she would always hold up the embroidery from the wrong side and show it. This picture here shows you that was the one that she held up. That was her exact embroidery she would hold up and, and people would think she was just getting a little senile and didn't realize she was holding it up from the wrong direction and they didn't know what to say or do and then she said, you know, sometimes when I pray and God doesn't answer my prayers right away and, and, and things happen that I don't understand and, and there's pain in my life and things don't make sense, I think about this embroidery that I have on my wall and she said, and I realized I'm just looking at it from the wrong side and then she turned it around and it had the crown that you could barely make out. Well, that's not it, there it is, yeah. They had the, the crown and, and she said, one day when we get to the other side, when we get to heaven, we'll see it all clearly. Every word will make sense because the great creative writer will have written the last chapter, and we'll brought it all together so that none of the pain is wasted. And we'll see that we get the crown of righteousness. And we'll be ushered into heaven. And we'll have our eternal reward and our story will last forever. And that's the way it is. Sometimes down here all I see are the frayed knots and the loose ends and it just looks like a mess and it makes no sense, but I'm just looking at it from the wrong side. And one day I'll see it clearly. Paul said, I can already see the crown of righteousness. God's given me the ability to already see it, and I can't wait. You see, right now, some of you think that God has forgotten you, but no, he's just not finished with your story. God's not finished with your story. Don't dare take back the pen when he's getting ready to write something beautiful out of the brokenness. Don't take back the pen when he's getting ready to write blessings out of the brokenness. He's getting ready to write purpose out of your pain. He's getting ready to write a miracle out of the mess. Don't you dare take back the pen. Let him be the main character, the author and finisher of your faith, and he will finish it in a way that it will be an epic love story that will last forever. I want us to stand together. And if right now you look back on pain or trauma in your life or failures in your life and you think it doesn't make sense and maybe you feel like your life has been a waste I'm telling you, it's never too late to give the pen to God. And maybe there's something in your mouth that just doesn't make sense. You give the pen to God and and just wait on him because he's still writing, he's not finished yet. He's still writing. Don't give up, you wait on the Lord to finish your story and your story's not finished yet. Some of you think your story's come to an end and the last page is written. God's not finished with your story yet. As long as you're still breathing, God's still writing. And he has a purpose and he has a plan and he's writing life and breath into your story. And it's in the waiting room of life where he does his greatest miracles, so you wait on the Lord because he's coming through. You wait on the Lord and you don't give up when the blessing is right around the bend. You keep praying, you keep seeking, you keep believing, but don't you dare give up. He's still writing your story and he's not finished yet. The creative writer, the creator of the universe who created you is turning your pain into purpose, and it will last forever. Let's pray. Dear God, I pray for everyone here who's never given you the pen of their life. They've tried to be the main character, the general manager of the universe, and Lord, that's a no-win situation. We'll always wear out and we'll fail, but I thank you, Lord, that you allow us to so that we can see that we're not the main character, that we're not the author. And so I pray today that people would give you the pen and receive you into their life by just praying this simple prayer in the silence of their heart, Jesus Christ, as best I know how, I believe in you. And like Paul, I place my trust in you to save me. Not in myself, but in you. And I ask you to forgive me of all my sins, come into my life and change me from the inside out I give you the pen and I ask you to write the rest of the story in such a way that it changes everything for your glory. I want you to be the main character of my life from now on. And Lord, I pray for everyone here who has gone through such pain in the past that, Lord, it doesn't make any sense at all. Or they're going through such pain in the present that it doesn't make sense, Lord, here on this side. Lord, give them a peace that will all make sense one day and that you're not finished writing the story. I pray that you would help every one of us give you the pen so that you can bring healing as only you can bring. Bring restoration as only you can bring, Lord. And we say yes to you in advance because we know that you love us completely. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Woodlands Church, the word that I have for you is wait on the Lord because when we wait on him, He will renew our strength. He will lift us up to soar on wings like eagles, like those eagles that catch the thermals and it just lifts them up with no effort. I believe God's gonna do that for you this week. Wait on the Lord. What that means is, you may be really busy, you may work really hard, but you're trusting him and him alone to see you through. You're trusting him that he's gonna come through. Sometimes when we wait on the Lord, we start to lose hope. Just wait on the Lord because hope is on the way. You wait on the Lord because he's still writing and he's writing something beautiful out of the brokenness. Don't dare take the pen back from him. You wait on the Lord and God is about to come through. I believe for so many of you, the blessing's just around the bend. A lot of times we give up right before the blessing. Don't dare do that. Let's not complain, let's not grumble, let's believe and let's trust. You can be honest. Say, God, I don't like this, this makes no sense. When are you going to answer this prayer? When are you going to come through? But I trust you. Like Ananias said, Lord, you can't be serious. But then he said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it even if I die because I know you love me and you know what's best. This makes no sense, but I'm going to do it. You wait on the Lord and the Lord will come through. You don't need anyone else but Jesus. Maybe someone else has said that you'll never make it through. All you need is a word from Jesus, and he gives you his word today, and his word is yes. Yes, I will see you through. Let's wait on the Lord, let's sing wait on the Lord, and let God begin to work. Miracles are on the way. I believe that with all my heart. Do you believe that, in Church? Let's thank the miracle worker, the creative writer, the creator of the universe, and let's wait on him.